0: Welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. As always, I am Mike Chisholm. As always, I am excited to be here to shoot one of these episodes, especially, I love doing them in studio. I love all the episodes of HeCast that we do. They're like uh, little Fabergé eggs in a collection above my fireplace. I adore them. But when we can get to do one in studio, uh, there's just an extra level of energy that comes with that. And I just appreciate it very much, especially with today. We're gonna talk to a musician today. And as uh, I've talked about on this, Um, on this show many times. Music is so, I love music so much and it's so great to talk to creatives. Um, I think creatives in our world have always Always been teachers in many respects. And uh, today's episode is going to talk to a very, we're going to talk to a very awesome creator who has a very similar energetic synergy to me. And it's going to be a great conversation. But before we get to that, if you haven't downloaded the He Changed It app yet, what the heck are you waiting for? Go to whatever app store denomination is on your mobile device, uh, the Apple Store, the Google Store, download the He Changed It app. It's already got lots of cool things in it. Uh, Even we're just scratching the surface of what he changed it is going to be, but be part of it. Be an alpha consumer, grab that app, um, share it. We've got some great things going on. We've been testing, by the way, our first he changed it men's groups. That's been going very well so far. So lots of uh, good news on that horizon. Other big announcements coming. We're about to turn a big corner with He Changed It, and we couldn't be more excited about it. So please download it. If you haven't liked or shared this podcast yet, uh, subscribed, all of those things, those metrics, those are metrics people can follow, everybody, and um, we would just appreciate it very much. Our listener base, uh, with all the platforms, is actually very strong. We're excited about that. And... uh, Every single time we get a message talking about how one of these conversations helps somebody, helps a guy that's out there going through something, helps a family member of a guy uh, who's going through something, helps them deal with that guy, whatever it is, Uh, we just, I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And we're hearing it more and more. Uh, He changed. It's going to change the world. And and the team is just really energized by what it is that we're building here, uh, brick by brick. Uh, So today's episode is going to be another brick in that wall uh, to steal a phrase from another legendary band now our guest today. Uh, I'm really excited to have Rod Black on the show today. Rod is a creative of creatives. And I, again, adore talking to people who have um, who have mastered a craft and are taking that craft and using it, using their personal um, abilities, almost like a vessel to get something out into the world, to create something in the world. And he has done that. He was the lead singer of a band called Jet Black Stare. Now, uh, a lot of history there. We're approaching a very cool milestone with that band started out of Vancouver, British Columbia, went all over the world, had some crazy rock star adventures. We are going to ask about some of those today, but at the end of the day, when you look at the lyrics to many of these songs and and, and Rod has done been part of other uh, endeavors as well, including some acting stuff and, and, and all sorts of stuff. He's a creative of creatives. He's done some country stuff, all sorts of stuff in his career. But at the end of the day, when Rod and I first connected, there was this, uh, intense energy that was there, uh, between the two of us. And he told me about some of the things that led him to where he is at in his life right now. Um, all of these things leave clues and, 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 uh, he's at a pivotal point in the, maybe uh, for, for lack of a better term, the ending of a chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. And that's where we met. Phenomenal. And as soon as we told him about what he changed, it was doing, he was like, I want to be a part of this. I want to help. I want to, I, I just feel and it felt so good to be connected here. Uh, we're gonna talk today about things from the past, but also things from the future and what brought us to where we are right now. An inspirational guy, uh, high energy, a creative, and a guy that I am just so grateful to know. Rod Black, thank you so much for taking time out of your insane craziness that is your life to be on. He cast today. Thank you so much, man.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: What was it about before we get into <clears throat> to, to the rock star, all the, all the fun stuff <clears throat> and then all the, the heartfelt stuff too, before we get into all that stuff, um, when we got connected and you heard about what he changed his doing, uh, you lit up like a Christmas tree. You yeah. just went, holy cow. What was it about what uh, Candy and her team are doing that lit you up so much? I think
1: uh, it's about time that we talk about this openly. Um, you know, I grew up with all girls, so it's primarily, uh, there's not too many guys in our family. And, um, I think that the guys are always the ones that, uh, you kind of hold the feelings. We're supposed to, we're supposed to hold the feelings in, you know, not really cry and stuff like that. And, and be the strength that, you know, that we can for, for the others. Like, because I grew up with girls, I was always like the hawk in the nest kind of thing. Oh. Now you see where we're at right now in the world. Um, it's, uh, there's a lot of guys that are holding in things but i think that it's time <clears throat> sorry no, no i think it's time the coffee dried my throat out. <laughs> <clears throat> i think it's time for uh men and and, and uh and, and guys in general to be open with their feelings yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with it i mean i grew up with a you know a rodeo star at my dad i guess yeah I grew up and everything so that's tough cowboys that's a you fall off the horse you get back up and you don't complain you don't you just you know, work, yeah, and you, every day you hustle and and all that kind of stuff. But the feelings were not out there openly. And when you told me about what you guys were working on, I was fascinated by it because this is something we need to talk about. Everybody needs to have this kind of platform. That's you know, on a, as a male
0: figure, yeah,
1: right. And I think that this is the opportunity for guys to open up.
0: I appreciate that so much hearing that. And I, um, the team is uh, whenever the team hears anything like that, it just energizes them and they love it so much. Now you talk about this stigma that guys have, or this expectation that guys have had, you and I are both gen Xers growing up. Uh, we've kind of been, you know, just like we're a generation that can remember half of our lives without the internet and half of our lives with the internet. And I think that, 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 uh, that folks, uh, you know, who are 10 years younger than us, they just don't have the same perspective that we have. How much the world changed. I would think that a very similar change is happening when it comes to that stigma that you're talking about here. That being said, growing up in the rodeo, the rodeo background and the cowboy background, the work ethic you're talking about here, Um, clearly that's you. And I want to, I want to talk about that in a minute here, but before I do, I want to go into the fact that you're a creative. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask about the idea that you were a creative growing up in that environment first and foremost. Um, if that ever brought any challenges on, you know, it's, I think about uh, the movie Dazed and Confused and, you know, I want to dance, you know, (laughs) the idea that you actually wanted to do something creative outside. But then also I want to marry this to the idea that creatives many times, they have the secret sauce to life because... In their creation, they're getting out some of the shit that sometimes builds up over time. Now, I've just kind of thrown the door open to a bunch of different conversations. Mm -hmm. We can unpack it. Does your creativity, I mean, when you listen, when you read the, the lyrics of the Jet Black Stare songs, I mean, this is a heart pouring out, no matter who wrote the song. A lot of these songs are extremely personal. Um, Was that an outlet for you with all that stuff that uh, would build up in other guys, maybe? Yeah,
1: I mean, I definitely can't take all the credit for sure. sure. We had a heck of a team, but uh, Jeff and I wrote a good, probably 90% of that album um, together. And we were very connected on that level. So we probably had similar um, upbringings in a sense. Obviously, you know, he wasn't in the rodeo family, but, you know, similar families and stuff like that. And, uh, you know... uh, the strength of a family we really believed in that and we still do um so when we were writing these songs it's like whether jeff had the idea or i had the idea we kind of came right in the middle like it was just like wow i was thinking kind of the same thing or whatever so it was easy there wasn't wasn't hard writing these songs because we both got it um and uh we you know there's a bit of a message right in these songs whether we planned it that way or not uh, that's kind of what happened. And that's what happens when people send us messages or whatever. They'll, they'll ask us what's, what's the song about? Sure. And then of course I'll get into the details the best that I can. You know what I mean? Cause I want them to have their own, you know, uh, you know, um, perspective i guess yeah you don't want
0: them to necessarily taint the song or whatever exactly because when they took it a certain way yeah and there's an emotional response to it you didn't want to affect that exactly but you also yeah. want to be honest with them yeah and let them know that hey this is
1: what i was thinking or this is what we were going through when we were writing this song so you feel can they feel that connection but they also have their own uh version of it too in their head
0: so these yeah. lyrics, some of these lyrics I, I, they almost seem like they would be therapeutic, like out of a journal, out of a, out of some deep, you know, places and things like that. Is that is that accurate? Like when you wrote, did you uh, when you penned some of these lyrics? And of course, they're modified or, or whatever and changed to melodic or or what. But the, the the basis of them, when you're putting these lyrics down on the mm-hmm. page, is it therapeutic? Uh, definitely.
1: Um, for <laughs> instance, the, the song "Fly." So when I brought that to Jeff, um, he was asking me, you know, what's what, what's the idea of this song? Yeah, because it's talking about leaving a situation to a better place, but not forgetting where you're, you came from, in a sense. And uh, it was because I was working in this, I think I was telling you this, I had many jobs. Um, mm-hmm. I worked in the stock market. So yeah. I was doing investor relations for a company down in Vancouver. And so instead of having a vehicle well, in downtown Vancouver, you can walk anywhere. I was sure. in English Bay. So every morning I had to be at the office at 5.30 pretty much. So I would walk down past some of the homeless. Well, instead of just walking by them, I would have conversations and kind of become friends with them. And there was always this common denominator, I guess, if you will, in various conversations. And it was always, I wish that I could leave this place. And then they tell you a little story of why they got to that place, but they have visions of where they can. And I had this idea of like, wow, like fly. It's like, get away from a situation you're in, right? um but that you got into that situation for a reason right so unfortunately whether it was drugs or wherever the case is for for homeless people yeah yeah. um or maybe just a bad upbringing whatever the case is and i do believe we all get a chance we we deserve a second chance if you will and so i started writing fly and it was that whole of you know i want to leave this situation to a better one but again you know I've got to learn from, you know, from that one situation to the other yeah. without getting into a, too much of a babbling situation.
0: No, you're not babbling yeah, at yeah. all. And I think that, I think that right there you've hit into a, a re, you, you've you hit a real nerve. It was a personal connection. Well, and I, there's a lot of guys out there right now mm-hmm. who wish that they could do that. Uh, you know, they've gotten themselves into a place of, uh, you know, we talk, we've talked about it a lot on the show here um, because one of the major pain points that men are going through right now is a purpose uh lack of purpose not knowing their purpose mm-hmm. um, not living their purpose maybe knowing it maybe scared mm-hmm. to fly to mm-hmm. to for yep. that very situation embarrassment yep. yep. whatever that might be yep. um and i want to talk about cuz you talk about you know you know where you came from mm-hmm. and and i do want to go back to that um you know the rodeo the farm um these things now let's just talk about your youth uh growing up cuz we're going to talk about your dad mm-hmm. um i mean my goodness are we ever going to talk about your dad and some of these things uh, this, that have led you to becoming uh, who you are now? Mm-hmm. Um, powerful, powerful stuff. Um, growing up, would you say that your, your, your situation was uh, unconventional and uh, and how, and did it lead to the yeah. work ethic that you have now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely uh, want to be talking about my mom because my mom's, I think I was telling you that earlier. That's yeah. my, my true angel. Um, and we'll get into that at yeah. the right time. But yeah, um, I always felt that was a little different and I I think it was, I just, I always just felt like I was in a protecting role ever since I was a kid.
0: A protecting role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I always wanted to be around the adults. So my parents were always like, we'll go and play with the cousins and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I want to be around the adults and that's that old soul, I guess. Um, Hmm. But also... A very protective type role i'm watching my dad and he was just like a he had so many talents like you know he would he was a mechanic you know he was a uh, uh breaking horses he was yeah. an outrider for check wagon racing right this is in alberta right no this is skatchewan
0: oh, just, oh sorry, well a Saskatchewan he was
1: born there right see i was born in bc yep and we moved around a lot and stuff like that um i was young when he retired okay but he never technically retired you know what i'm saying um but it runs in the family but there was never any pressure from my dad yeah Whereas I think he kind of wanted to do that he said, if I'm going to have a son, I'm not going to pressure him. Cause I felt just in conversations with him um, that he was pressured because he was a guitar player and he was oh, a writer. Wow. He was a heck of a writer. He wrote so. We, after my dad passed, we found songs that he had or poems that he wrote. And we were like, wow. So yeah. Oh, so, goosebumps. so yeah. So you can imagine growing up in that era, Knowing there's something else you want to do, but the family bloodline is all rodeo and cowboys and being on the farm and and milking cows and the whole nine yards. But he'd sneak away to go play his guitar and write. And he never wanted to show that to the family because I'm sure they knew he had that talent. Yeah. But then he just didn't feel he was encouraged. Whereas with me, whatever you want to do, son, I got your back. So my dad was my hockey coach and stuff like that. Of course, I was, you know the hardest worker on the team because I don't want to be like, oh, the dad, you know, dad and son thing, right? So I'm like, first one on the ice, last one off at practice kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Lead by example, if you will. Um, But my dad never put pressure on me nor my mom. My mom never did too. And I can't imagine what it was like for her because now she sees the only boy in the family and uh, you know knows that there's something else that I want to be doing, a music and all That's that. That's the
0: creative of stuff. in you coming out, yeah. right? Yeah, and
1: knowing that my dad would play guitar for her and all that kind of stuff, and you know what I mean. So she knew that this one we gotta let him kind of do his own thing.
0: I gotta ask you this, and I mean, um, you know. Have you ever performed any of your dad's songs or poems or is that something that you, is that something that you're going to want to do in the future, in future endeavors? Well,
1: yeah. So what happened was uh, before my dad passed, um, we had pretty in-depth conversations and that's where I found out a lot um, about stuff that dad did not want to tell me, but he did. And the one thing is he said that there'll be some songs, there'll be some words, there'll be some whatever. And so Sadie and I, my sister Sadie Black. Yeah. um, And I'll, into all my family and stuff like that my sisters and stepsisters and yeah. stepbrother but um sadie and i have that connection because we're both artists and she said well did you know that i found some lyrics because she stayed with them she was in new york actually uh on tour and she was doing her thing and and i was in texas and my dad was getting sick and we were back and forth and, and she was i'm gonna go take care of dad you just do what you got to do and i'm like well of course i couldn't concentrate being on tour yeah. right having this big record deal and that's a whole different story there so she went and stayed with them. of course she would see these lyrics and all that kind of stuff. And then she said, well, we should write a song with dad because we know he doesn't have very long to live. And dad always wanted to be a writer. So we did wrote a song called Gabriel road, where the place where we learned how to ride horses, grandpa, you know, no, no, no uh, saddle for the kids. You learn (laughs) the the real way of writing. You know what I mean? Build that strength. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, long story short, um, yeah, we ended up writing a song with my dad before he passed. And we actually have recorded it and uh, we just haven't put it out yet. Wow. Yeah, But it'll be the very first song that dad will get writing credit on. Oh. Yeah.
0: Something we wanted to do for, for him and for our family. Um, You know, you talk about the stigma that many men feel. It feels like you've just kicked the crap out of that stigma and said, well, mm-hmm. no, it just doesn't exist in your life. Um, Did it ever exist in your life? Was there ever a time? Because, I mean, clearly... Um, this creative part of you is, 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 is a part of you living your purpose. There's no question about that. And, but it's evolving and challenging you and all sorts of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mm -hmm. but this is stuff that you and I have learned as we've we've, uh, built our brotherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that always encouraged? Were you always a a person that could take these things that might be against the grain or against the stigma? And because I mean, you're a hockey kid too. It's Saskatchewan. Okay. Good old boys. Um, But yet at the same time, it feels like, you've never been afraid to put this side of you out. Is that a fair statement or was there a pivotal moment where you gave yourself permission to kind of go against the grain when it came to, uh, when I was
1: thing? 11, maybe 12, uh, cause when my parents got divorced, that really shook me yeah. because we were the kind of family and actually when are not watching that interview with Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some similarities there, um, major because our family was the kind of family we had people coming from, we didn't uh, sometimes it was just, people that just moved into the area and my dad was doors were always open we were cooking for people we were that kind of family yeah everybody came to and then when they got divorced that shook our foundation and of course that foundation wasn't there because then everybody's moving and all that kind of stuff so um but I always knew, like I said, I, there was something a little different. Mm-hmm. And by the age of, I think, 11 and 12, I was telling my friends, I'm going to get a record deal. Why, who talks like that when they're that young? Right. right? And they're making the deal with my dad with the tattoos. I think I told you about that. you know. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you can get a tattoo if you get a record deal. He's like, get a record deal with we'll Texas guy. you know, Because all my friends were always older. I always had older friends. Yeah. And so I think that probably I just felt more connected as being an old soul so when
0: I felt i'm 11 the same way. 12. i loved hanging out with my dad and his friends yeah i love that and i would just sit there as they were you know wherever they were yeah. i would just be a sponge and i'd listen to them talk about ridiculous stuff because they you know like yeah. Yeah. no internet back then so people's yeah. bs could just fly especially you get a group of guys together i was in my element at that yeah was that was you too oh definitely you loved hanging out with all adults. the time uh, hanging out yeah. with my dad and his friends and stuff yeah. like that and even when they you know um
1: They'd be just you know the hood would be up and they're all in the garage yep. talking stuff like that. I'm passing yep. tools to my dad and stuff, and I'm just a little guy. Yeah. When my dad's looking and he's seeing my friends are all like playing and I'm in there with the guy and he's like, well, why don't you go? And I'm like, I was, I don't want to say bored. Um, I, I wasn't challenged enough. I, I always felt when I was around my friends, I just wasn't challenged enough. They're yep. talking about toys and whatever and yep. stuff like that. And, um, you know, I always felt like I was doing it almost just to be a part of it because yeah. I needed to have friends you know what i mean yep a hundred percent but i felt more connected to be around older people our neighbor um he was uh um what was he i don't know how many times world war uh, one veteran i I do believe so you could imagine his stories right and all my friends are like why do you always go to mr phipps's all the time and i'm like because i'm fascinated by his you know i'm a little guy and i'm like wanting to learn yeah right and um Some of my friends just didn't understand. And then I felt at the age of, uh, I think 13 is when I put my band together. And then that's when I was like, and they're just, you know, I'm like, we got to show up at practices. We're like, we're we're, we're kids here. And the parents were always like, why is Rod being so pushy about rehearsal and stuff? You guys are kids. Like, you know, and I, so I was always on it. I felt like I was on a different level when it came to my friends and it wasn't a smarter thing trust me no 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 no. it was different (laughs) yeah it was just different yeah it it was different yeah and and don't get me wrong i learned a lot from my friends too and one of my best friends still to this day stewart Stu deal and his family he was the drummer we were 13
0: 14 years old
1: he's still one of my best friends were you
0: the singer right from the start yeah yeah, yeah, you always knew,
1: sing yeah. and guitar. Dad brought me every instrument known to man and, and he's like, drums, that lasted one day. Although I wanted to be a drummer. Yeah? That was what I wanted to do. I was fascinated by being a drummer. And then, uh, you know, like listening to Elvis and we got the Johnny Cash and we got the records playing and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but then remember, I was a late bloomer too and I think I told you about this. You did. Which was kind of scared the family. I'm the only boy and I'm not walking. I'm not talking, I'm not doing what a kid's supposed to be doing at an early age, but that's, I'm kind of jumping back a little, going back a bit. So there was, so there were a little worried there.
0: And so, knowing you, I feel like you were listening and observing. That's yeah, just, kind of my That's parents, my initial yeah. just instinct to that. They couldn't understand because my cousins were a little older than me and they were
1: yeah. moving around. And, and, and when they put me down, I, my knees would buckle and stuff. And my dad was a little worried, but he's like, the doctors just said, once he gets going, he ain't going to stop. And that's what dad always said. He goes, I'll never forget the doctor says, he goes, don't panic. He's just,
0: once he gets going, just trust me. I can't you can imagine stop. you. Okay. I got to be, very, I, I'm going to no. qualify the statement. Um, I can't imagine you not being a collaborator and, 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 and somebody who, who wants to do things with people. I can't mm-hmm. imagine you being that way, but um, there, mm-hmm. there's the qualifier. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine you not being a front man. I just, <laughs> I just can't, I can't imagine that. And, and, and so by 13, you would kind of embrace that. Oh, yeah. That, because uh, it is, it is an attitude, right? Like, I mean, I think about some of my favorite bands um, and the members of them, because I'm kind of that same way. I'm a bit of a peacock. I like to spread my shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, I'm, I'm the same way. And 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 I identify with the front man of the band. That's who I identify mm-hmm. with. But there are, if it's a five member band, there are four other personalities and, 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 and roles. And, you know, they got to kind of equally be mm-hmm. uh, wired for those, for those things. They don't want to be that. Um, did you knowingly embrace that? Is that something that you just naturally been and always just been that have there been times where, um, that has come into, uh, where you've had some imposter syndrome, like, should I be that guy? Is that ever, uh, have you always kind of known you're the, you're a front man, you're a leader? That's, that's it's kind of
1: funny. You say that because, uh, like I said, I wanted to be a drummer. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have mad respect for every, any band I'm in the drummer and I always become close. Oh. If you don't have a drummer, they can play, yeah. It doesn't matter how good they sing, singing the guitar or whatever. If you don't have somebody can keep uh, keep the timing, <laughs> you know, it's not very good. Yeah. But let's not go into there. But so I have mad respect for that and text and everybody behind the scenes. Absolutely, I, I love being like in the film. I love working in the film. I love working behind the scenes. Right. Right. Whereas in music, I'm in the front. So yeah. I loved it, and I think what it is. So I, there's a mutual respect.
0: Right. Well, and that's that collaborator I was telling you about, like the qualification statement wasn't <clears> just fluff to yep. say that you're the threat. No, you love collaborating. Yep. You're that guy too. Right. Yep. Love to being part of something. But that yep. being said, you also are naturally, you're the guy who leads something like any jet black stair footage that I've seen. You are the lead. Like you're just, you're that guy. You embrace that role being that front man. And it's just, um, it, it fascinates me because many times people with that, that type of spotlight, you know, people can very easily make judgments. People can very easily make assumptions, that kind of a thing. And and they don't necessarily know the real person that mm-hmm. is there as well, right? Like it's it's very front and center, but can also be very lonely at the same time. Have you gone through that? Yes. Uh, yeah, you're reading my mind. Um, <laughs> one thing that I can say about, um, I love
1: being in front of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I think we played for 30,000 and we played for five, it's the same show it's the heart it's the soul it's the energy whatever and um but it's after i get off stage i not a big people you know what i mean i'm more yeah having a conversation with somebody yeah. right um and, and wanting to know about their life because i'm inspired by other people's energies i think we've talked about that yeah. right and that'll we'll get there sure <laughs> the reason why i probably have had that through my life but um i have so much respect for what another person does yeah. and i want to learn more about it so it almost throws people off a bit because again um you look at singers and they do unfortunately get that uh what's that st- stigma is that the word yeah stigma a kind sure. of attitude yep. and you can't talk to them and kind of or, or the guitarist oh yeah uh, i never wanted to be that guy yeah, i you're wanted not to be a very in
0: any way shape or form i want to be all. very approachable
1: yeah and if you feel like a connection is going on Feel free to open up. I will open up with you if I feel like there's a connection. Yeah. So when you're on the road and you're at the merch booth and there's a, a lot of people, and they're like, you know, I can't believe that we get to meet the band and yeah. you know what I And right away, I'm like, okay, well, let's move that aside. Yeah. What do you do for work? You know. And then all of a sudden, you're you have a friend that you've made. The hard part is you only have so much time. Yeah. And there's all these people that are wanting to to chat with you and have a conversation, yeah. and you and you feel. Like you want to have that connection with them, so they get something out of it, and you get something out of it. You might never, never see that person again, yeah. but you want them to feel something, not like oh, a typical singer, just you know, g- you know, sign this and
0: then walk away. Yeah, you're one of the most authentic people I've ever met. Well, um, appreciate. I don't, I don't know how long I do, do appreciate your kind words. Oh, oh, well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's where we connected. Yeah. Is authenticity, so it's a silver bullet. You and I both know that, mm-hmm. but we also took a journey to get to that yes. place. And, and and so I'm curious. Did you learn that along the way or did you already know that? And the moment it went from five, like, like, did you, when it was five people, uh, you know, small venue and Mm -hmm. they were coming to you and and you were making these connections with them then, did you just continue that on? Was it something that you had an aha moment as you guys got bigger and the crowds Mm -hmm. got bigger and Mm -hmm. the shows got bigger? Was that something that, um, that connection thing that you're talking about that is so valuable was that always there or did that develop yeah, since as you was, developed since I was a little kid? Wow. And you know what?
1: Saskatchewan boy. It, it, stem, <laughs> yeah, it stemmed from something very interesting. And this is, uh, um, again, not a, a message that I'm trying to get out there or anything, but this is just who I am. Um, I grew up in such a such a, a, a tough type of family that, yeah. like I said, you fall off the horse, you get back on and you don't complain. So now you can imagine as I start getting through elementary school, seeing people being bullied yeah i would come to their defense without even thinking of it and i'm a pretty small guy you know what i mean back then and i'm still probably you know what i mean a lot of my friends were bigger guys and stuff like that so i would go against my friends that were bullying the new kids to school and i always had this underdog feeling that i'm going ah, to be in the trenches yeah, with yeah. them so as that started progressing as i got older yeah when everybody was like oh that person's like i'm like i want to be their friend i want to be down there with them just like when i'm down and out i want to know i can confide in somebody's got your back and so i planned it all along i was like if i'm going to be an entertainer i'm not going to be the guy that doesn't have time you know what i mean obviously we have to you know i have to go rest no, my voice yeah. and all that kind of stuff but yeah i always wanted You're be to be mindful though and aware yeah. <clears throat> I want to be, very, yes, I want to be very aware of their situation, respectful of their situation. And sometimes people just want somebody to listen to. Yeah. You know, they just want to be able to talk to somebody and know that they're actually genuinely listening to them. Not so much giving them advice and all that kind of stuff. So it started me basically protecting friends, new friends at my school from the bullies. Yeah. And and showing them that they can fight back, but I don't mean fists.
0: Do you know what I mean? hundred um, percent. Stand up for yourself. And, and, and helping and empowering people to do that. I mean, that's, that's what he changed. It's all about is, is, is trying to create that awareness that we're talking about. And then, and then, um, once you have that awareness, then to take a step, whatever that looks like Mm -hmm. to stand up or move towards that awareness, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, at this time, I got to bring it up. I got to bring up the flatline experience because I know this was a very pivotal moment in your life, life changing um, how old were you when you had that experience and can you walk us through, uh, I know you've talked about this in other interviews and things yeah. like that before, but, but, but it is pivotal and, and I, 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 I am fascinated to talk to you about it on camera for, for our audience as well. So without, I, I'm sorry that, to make you retread this again, but, no, 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 no. But, but this is a, that's a big moment in your life, right? How old were you and what happened with the, uh, with the near death experience? Well, I
1: just turned 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this was the the ultimate wake up call for me. And I think, uh, you know, I've had a lot of things happen before that when I was younger, but I didn't really catch on, and I and I think that's why I was a little felt a little different. Yeah. But then this is what really just woke
0: me up. Um, I just want to make sure before we get into this, yep. is he okay sound wise? Does he need the microphone close to the face? Are we okay, guys? It sounds okay. You can go closer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah? I and just didn't up, want it to pull pull get it closer to you. No, you're good. <coughs> you're good. We'll, we'll make just sure. a little. Just for this is a, I just want to make sure that we're we're on the. Uh, <coughs> there we go. So yeah, nineteen. Yeah, just turning 19, i I've
1: been kicked out of many high schools (laughs) in Saskatoon, where Kim's uh, stomping grounds are, which I found fascinating. Um, But um, yeah, I was basically uh, trying to save, I was kicked out of high school. I had a year that I had to be away from the school. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a job and whatever, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom's car broke down. And so I I was like, okay, well, I'm going to help her get another vehicle. It was only a $1,500 vehicle, right? Back then, you know what I mean? Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm not really paying, you know, a lot of rent and stuff like that. I'm going to help save up some money and help her get a car. Yeah. So, but I knew I'd have to work long hours. So I worked at this pizza place. So now when you're a teenager and you're out in Saskatchewan, you're at the pits and you're having drinks every weekend, your body is used to, you know, having alcohol. Well, I hadn't had any alcohol, nothing like that. I'd been working for three months. And long story short, I ended up going to a party yeah. and there was a, a big jug of like moonshine, 100, oh. not 190 proof moonshine. Now it was more of a joke at the party because, yeah. you know, um, I can say this now, unfortunately my buddy Dan um, had passed, has passed on, but uh, he broke into the, the, the parents' uh, liquor cabinet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard these stories mm-hmm. many times before. And this was something that no teenager should have been drinking, but so the jug was sitting there. I saw these girls. I was talking to them. They're saying, "Oh, everybody's just passing it by. They're lighting the beer caps on fire cuz it's 190." Yeah, that's it. A- no yeah. one's actually drinking this stuff. Yeah. No one's crazy enough. Well, of course, I'm trying to impress these girls and they're like, "Well, we we dare you. And so I grabbed that jug, got on my knees, and I just started drinking it like it was water. And everybody's like, "What?" It, it, like they, everybody was shocked, right? And I pounded it down like that and it wasn't very much left and I was like, oh "Okay." My God. Now, because it was such a rush of alcohol in such a short period of time, I had think probably about in maybe an hour. You know what I mean? The band's kind of just the guys are jamming music and stuff like that. Wait a second. Like,
0: so you actually negotiated your way around the party for about an hour after doing this? Probably about an hour. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's who I'm getting at, right? So to me, it, um, I felt, I don't know how to explain it. it. I knew something was gonna happen when I did did this because i had a lot of premonitions and stuff and i think i was talking about that as a kid but i didn't understand that kind of connection if you will um a lot of stuff that there's no way i should even made it to 19 right some horrific car accidents and all that kind of stuff but now i'm in a situation going what did i just do yeah i know how much i just drank yeah that's in my system right now and so it was almost like fight or flight like i'm like i can do this but i knew it's gonna hit okay so the red warning lights on the dash were on
0: in I knew. mind
1: yeah okay i i knew right i knew but i was like oh what did i just do you know and then all of a sudden i wake up to slot across the face and it's my buddy brian and everybody left the party and i was in a, he found me kind of my legs were up like this and my back's like this uh, in a corner by a bookshelf and he's like everybody's looking for you everybody went to the party to another party left the house and he came back and he found me Fireman me up the, up the stairs. And this is where my mom, my angel takes place. She is across town with her friends dancing. I was staying with my mom. I was about to go move with my dad because of the divorce, I went with my mom. And that's yeah. a whole story where the boy goes with the mom, which yeah. is kind of an odd thing. And the girls go with my dad, very yeah. odd, devastated my dad uh, and the family, that's for sure at the time. And so... I was in the midst of going to go a with my dad. I was like, we're going to rekindle everything. Like, this is great. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of staying at my mom's l- between getting ready to go to my dad's. And um, my mom had intuition, mom's intuition, female intuition. I do believe it's very strong. There's a reason for that. Yeah, She stops her dancing and stuff like that. Goes, Rod needs me. I got to go. Now she's in across town in Saskatoon yeah. and we're in Sutherland and she races back puts her, her her purse down her keys down stuff like that she's at the door and she's kind of like hmm, okay guess i was wrong she's about to leave and she hears some rumbling on at the at the door and she's like what's going on there right Cause she knows i have my keys so yeah. she's like wondering what's going on she opens the door and it's brian these two girls holding me up and she looked in my eye she goes what's wrong with my son he goes oh you know linda he's got to go and we're just gonna put him downstairs and he's gonna crash i gotta go to this party and she's like. No, he's going in the emergency right now. They're like, no, 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 because he was trying to get my keys out. If my mom wasn't there, he would have got my keys out, opened the door, put Set me in my out, bed. That would have been it. Yeah, and that's what the and then that's what the doctors said too. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll get to that. And so we race, uh, you know. And it took it took my mom some convincing to for for Brian because he really wanted to get to this party. She's like, yeah. no, we're going. So we get there, and it was chaos when we got there. I got strapped down. Um, there was like arguments with the police. There was just so much going on. Um, and so my buddy Brian was holding my wrist. And then I just hear everybody out of the room. We're going to lose them. And all of a sudden I feel this hand kind of slip away like that. And all of a sudden I hear this. Dee- you heard it. And I heard it. And I felt the most, sorry, if I get a little emotional, sorry. Cause okay. I feel like sometimes it's.
0: You wouldn't be the first in this room, sir. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is where I was like, okay, well now Rod, you know what you just did. Like I'm talking to myself, hearing this thing. And then all of a sudden I'm in the best place I've ever been. I'm, without getting into a spiritual conversation, um, um, what I saw was most fascinating. It wasn't like I walked to the gates and said, oh, it's not your time, son, go back. It wasn't anything like that. Um, It was uh, greenish, bluish lights, very hazy. Um, I still experience certain things on a daily, there's energies right now, I'm, I don't freak anybody out, but I'm yeah. just being honest with yeah. you. I believe change is coming yeah. and for the ones that get, will get it. And yeah. anybody out there that's listening to this will know what I'm talking about. Um, And um, it was the best feeling of my entire life. Um, And so there was a lot of unexplainable things that kind of took place. Um, without getting into too much and babbling, but there was things that I saw and the best way I can explain it is if you were walking towards a mountain and you're looking at the mountain and it's, and it's pitch black and you just saw shadows of like heads behind that mountain, like thousands and thousands. So you don't see bodies, you just see kind of the heads. Yeah. And that's how I, I felt. I felt that a guy was embarking on something that was bigger than I could even explain. Now I wake up and I'm like, oh, that was a dream. I'm still drunk, by the way. Obviously, <laughs> how much time has passed? Uh probably a good. Well, I think about two or three hours. Okay, but so maybe. it's been it's been a little yeah. while oh, since yeah. that
0: beep. <clears throat> <throat> it's been a while yeah, since oh, yeah. then. Yeah, and okay, yep.
1: Yeah. So now I wake up, and there's nobody in the room. It's a very cold, chilly feeling, and I'm like. Okay, i'm in a hospital like this isn't a dream i'm pinching myself i used to have nightmares when i was a kid so i taught myself lucid dreaming that's a whole different story yeah, yeah. knock uh, on the wall yep. or you pinch your, yeah, yep. yeah 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 because yep. you dream within a dream yep. within a dream like yep. i used to have twisted stuff and it really oh. effed me up as a kid and then oh. until i learned how to lucid dream and then that was okay knock um so what happened was i'm like okay i got to collect my thoughts here like yeah. this is you know what i mean so nothing sobers you up faster than what the heck just happened right so this girl walks in and I guess the candy striper girl, or is that yep. what they call them back then? They did. Back then they did, yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. I don't know they, now you got to, it's like, no, that's not what they call them. No, that's a, yeah, you can see, you can see uh, Betty Boo and all that kind of stuff at the uh, strip club, maybe. And She might be wearing that. <coughs> oh, the Texas Betty days.
0: Boo, the candy striper, the candy striper. Welcome Betty, Betty to the Boo. stage, yeah.
1: Betty. So uh, Betty boobs, anyway. So <coughs> sorry, um, a little bit of humor. So what happened was she walks in and she's looking at me like she saw a ghost and she yeah. goes how are you doing and i'm like i'm okay and i sit up and i'm just like Ooh. okay and i sit off to the side and like this and i'm starting to talk to her yeah. and she's like looking at me really weird and i'm like and i've got this energy going i'm like why is she not like kind of talking to me she's almost scared to talk to me boom she bolts out i'm like <laughs> what is going on here <laughs> and so it's always a good sign when the yeah. uh, oh i did one thing as she was leaving i said hey i said is there a doctor that i can speak to and that's when she kind of freaked out and what and then so the doctor comes in and i'm sitting on the side of the bed he sits down beside me he goes son how are you feeling i said well i'm, oh, I'm a little dizzy still and he goes oh you're, you're still you know you're still gonna be drunk a little and i'm like yeah and he goes you sure scared us last night <clears throat> and i was like yeah and he's sitting there and he puts his arm around me kind of thing you know he goes listen i don't know how to explain what happened last night he goes i've been a doctor for 30 some years and uh he goes um can i ask you a couple questions and i'm like yeah for sure and and i'm like and i got this energy i'm like what is going on like i and and I and again when i was a kid i always it was like 10 steps ahead i could never understand how i knew certain things were going to take place right <clears throat> but they were but when you're a kid you're wondering well how do you like it was, it was almost like, this is just, you know, it was too coincidental. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But then as I got older, then I realized, okay, there's something else going on here. So I'm sitting there and he's like. Back uh, when you still believed in coincidences.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a little different.
1: Yeah. So, and he goes, well, how are you feeling? I said, well, I'm a little drunk. He's like, you know, um, are you a religious man? And I, of course I go into, well, when our parents, my parents were together, we used to go to church. And then when the parents, you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of devastated the family whatever he goes because all i can i can't really explain what happened um he goes but all i can say is someone up there is really looking out for you and i'm like oh okay and he's like no and he goes you don't understand he goes you came in here and he goes do you remember anything And i said yeah i said I remember there's a lot of chaos going on you guys i remember strapping me down i remember having a hand on me i imagine it was brian he's like yeah your buddy brian with the curly hair and i'm like yeah And he goes yeah and then and then the hand slipped away and then i heard it and he's looking at me kind of like you heard that shit yeah <laughs> so you can imagine what he's thinking yeah because he's got questions yeah he's probably got other people that he's got to go attend to yeah and he's like uh because i can't explain it he goes so what happened was he goes and i said yeah and then i and he goes did you hear anything else i said yeah everybody out of the room we're gonna lose them and he's looking at me kind of like okay how is that you like he's trying to put yeah. this all together and he's like because i've never seen like this and he said um He goes, well, the good news is you're going to leave this hospital in probably an hour or two hours from now. We're going to get you some food. And your mom's sitting out there in emergency or whatever, waiting. And your mom's pretty startled. I said, yeah, how's she doing? She's like, oh, she's pretty rattled. She goes, but, you know, your friend's there and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, like, put this all together. And I'm like, okay, this isn't a dream. This doctor's like, but I'm like, okay. So, and then he's like, he goes, because when I said everybody out of the room were going to lose them, you went down like, like flat, like, like that. And he goes. So we called it, but then when you came back so fast, it startled everybody. And he said it was like the best way to explain it's like you came running off the street, and you're like the, it was just like he goes. Usually it's a slow progress, but it came shooting up like it scared. It shocked everybody. That's what he said. And I was like, oh okay. And he's like looking at me. He goes. <laughs> he goes. Eh, but he goes. But what's crazy about this is that anybody that's flatlined, they're we usually do tests or they have some kind of brain damage or some kind of something something that usually goes on right there's an effect to it yeah. you're about to leave this hospital within a couple hours i said good i got to go back to work because i'm saving up money for my mom's car And he's like whoa whoa, whoa!" <laughs>
0: something
1: <just> he, <laughs> exactly he goes you need to slow down i said no 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 you don't understand so i started telling him about how i'm saving up money for my mom's car and he's like wow and he and then he goes your your mom there's a connection and i said yeah and i said and i started telling him if it wasn't for my mom and he goes, yeah. And he goes, I talked to your mom. He goes, your friend is going to put you. He goes, son, if you would have went in that bed, you would have never woken up. So, of course, now he goes, you know, we're going to do some tests, get you some food. or So, we leave. And as we're leaving, everybody's kind of looking at us. And mom's like, grabs me. And she goes, we got to get out of here. She goes, I'm getting really freaked out. People are looking at asking questions. so like, you're literally walking out of this hospital from what the chaos that ensued last night. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay. And that's chapter one of that that continued the horrific car accident shortly after that yeah. with no seatbelt, seven times into a farmer's field doctor they just and it just kept on happening the fire that i should have been at the house practically burns to the ground kind of thing and i should have been in there but that wasn't it, there's all these things that took place and we could be here for a long time talking about them but i don't talk about this as a bragging thing i no. talk about this is the journey but it well, also and makes lessons me stronger, learned, right and lessons
0: learned what? Uh, okay. So, so I want to, because it's all, it's, it all mixes in with your music career too. Mm-hmm. It all does. The ups, the downs. <clears> I feel your like dad, I'm a vessel. Where, where, where I really are, feel
1: like I'm a vessel. Right. No, that's and That's why way to explain it.
0: I know that there are a lot of guys out there who, who, who might feel that, mm-hmm. but they've got themselves wrapped into whatever life. They're afraid to share. Yes. And so, and so you feel like there's purpose and that you are being used as a vessel for that purpose yep. and going through all of these, uh, ups and downs, adventures, whatever you want to call them <clears throat> to, to, to be that vessel, um, to guys right now who are not living their purpose or they're mm-hmm. feeling like there's a, there's an itch there, mm-hmm. like what you're talking about. Um, any advice for the, for guys like that? Any insights? Well, don't let age be a number. Uh,
1: yeah, that—that's one of the biggest conversations I ever have. Is like, well, I'm too old for this, or here's the flip side, or I'm too young for this. I don't have enough experience. Yeah. So why would you let that age be the factor? Yeah. Because if you do that, then whatever that moment you're in right now, there's your excuse. Yeah. Right. Why would you use that as? Wh- why would you use that as almost a stepping stone? So whether you feel mm. you're too old, then it's like. Okay, well, look at everything—the wisdom that I have, and look what I've learned along the way. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, a lot of people in—okay, here's a prime example. This is the best way to explain it. People in high school, you're full of life. Yep, parties, energy, sure. everything. You're writing poetry. You're playing guitar. You're what? You're lots of firsts. First, you're driving. Lots you're of driving car. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, Whatever that is. Yeah, it's yeah. exciting. Yeah, but once you come out, you feel the pressures of now. There's going to be bills. Yep. now i got to go to college i've got to, so all those passions that you had right yep. friendships have dwindled or whatever and so, yeah. sometimes that's meant to happen right sure. we meet seasons for, yeah. yeah seasons of life yeah yeah exactly. seasons of life um go back whether it, and i'm and i'm obviously talking as someone that's older go yeah. back to that moment how you felt that that passion go grab those books and those the whether it's the Diaries or whatever you were doing your log books or whatever yep. and stuff like that go back and stuff like that yeah because you didn't lose that talent that passion isn't gone no you're just have used an excuse that's basically a society type thing yeah. once you get to a certain age now you've got to got to do this you don't have to go out and have fast cars in the garage you don't have to have you know keep up with the joneses you don't have to have that mentality you have to have this you have to have a, a belief in yourself are you really doing what drives you yes you're a father and you have kids or you're a husband and stuff like that and yes there's responsibilities that's life yeah we all have them yeah but don't forget the passion that got you to where you are who you are right you know what i mean yeah and that's what that would be my thing is don't forget what got you to that
0: place if every man did that if every man actually like did a little bit of introspect uh, introspection and actually asked themselves that question you know what is it that drives you what is Mm -hmm. it that that sparks that passion um, and was able to answer that question authentically. Mm-hmm. I think we'd be in a much better place because, guys, I, I, we talk about this a lot. Awareness is is a key, and there are so many people that are just aren't aware. Um, it seems that you were granted awareness, life awareness, this mm-hmm. bigger, this this bigger type of awareness through all these experiences you've talked about, and the, the, the flatlining certainly mm-hmm. being a dramatic one. Um, at what? How old were you when you moved to Vancouver and 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 destiny? uh with jet black Stair started how old was were you doing well that's that?
1: interesting because i was 21 and i remember i just had i was just moving to uh to, to actually richmond bc
0: yeah and that was uh got there the house was that the music scene was it the music scene that was calling you and saying yeah i'm gonna yeah i always knew i was gonna go back because i was born in bc yeah i always knew i was gonna go
1: back to bc i just um i was very uh wanted to stay there kind of mama's boy if you will sure right the mom mom was pretty devastated when the divorce took place right and you know my sisters went with my dad um and i went with my mom so yeah. it's helping pay the bills and all that kind of stuff but as i got to a certain age um i think the flatline thing really uh changed everything so this is two years later yeah i yep. was like i yep. gotta get out of here okay um actually oh turning sorry um i stayed in sorry i lived in edmonton because i was just turning 19 so i was living in edmonton then i i, I can't forget about that because yep. that's some crucial stuff there too and that was not so much those kind of situations like flatline and all that kind of stuff and um and i don't say that as a throw-off that's just no, kind I get of you. what happens in, in in my world i guess in a sense is that i just kind of look at it as it's just a, in the moment yeah right and um and very cherish every day but uh, um a lot of the lessons were learned we'll say in edmonton but i always knew i wanted to go back and um when the fire took place and when the firemen were like, "What well, you were supposed to sleep in that room. And I'm like, yeah, but I stayed at my girlfriend's. I never stayed there. And I'm going into the details. He's like, that room was untouched. All the band gear and everything. Cause that's where we, my buddy Dan and I stayed in the band room. Right. Yeah. We had built bunks and stuff like that. Like we were ready to <laughs> go on a tour bus. Right. I was setting up for awesome. the tour bus, I guess is where I'm going. That's fantastic. Get used to being on a bunk. But, um, I was like, wow. Okay. The flat. I started going through this in my head. I'm like, okay, another one, Rod, that you're surviving. I'm like, okay, you really better hit high gear now and hit this music hard. So then I did. I started going to studios. I started writing more, and I started finding that passion. Yep. Um, but it didn't happen right away. When I kind of kind of think that's when it would happen, there would be record companies and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It didn't happen at a young age. Yeah. And so I was just always feeling guilty because I was. You're late for rehearsal or you, you know what I mean? I was like almost like a dictator in a band. I didn't want to be that guy, but I also wanted to find guys that had the passion that I did. So then I started kind of taking um, the foot off the gas a little uh, when it came to the whole band kind of stuff and just saying, okay, still have fun here, Rod. Yeah. You still got to have fun. So I pulled back a little bit um, and then, uh, you know, I had odd jobs here and there and stuff like that. But Jet Black Stare was basically a country rock band. I was wearing a white cowboy hat.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Really.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of why probably why I went and did the country I did it for my dad too, obviously. And yeah. there's a whole story there. Uh, um I wanted to kind of leave something with my country music kind of you know a tribute to my dad yep. and the rodeo family and the, the toughness of growing up in that kind of family. Um but uh yeah, it was a it was a country rock band. And then um yeah, when that happened that was pretty pretty amazing because now i'm like wow who am i because now i'm in this rock band but then all of a sudden again when i get the record deal the same day i'm getting this record deal i find out my dad's sick so i'm like you get this big record deal everything you've worked hard for telling all your friends you're gonna get this record deal and everything and it doesn't mean anything right everybody still to this day said you you never actually celebrate it if you really think about it Because all my friends that I work with know, they're like, you never really actually celebrated. We did as a band. Sure. But I never did anything kind of celebrated a milestone. Because all I can think about is the moment that I signed that deal is the news I got from my dad. So that was- And
0: dad was sick terminally.
1: (coughs) Yeah. That was the news that he got. uh, Yeah. He had, I think, four years left at that point. Yeah.
0: So they're limiting his 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 time, and at the exact same time, so 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 a part he of He didn't your want to tell his, me, yeah. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say. They didn't want to he tell did not you. Want
1: to affect his son's excitement because he saw what was about to happen. But for I you. knew
0: on the phone there was something not right. And, and so, I mean, and, and not just, it's not just you as a solo act, you've mm-hmm. got people all around you who are depending on this. This is a life-changing thing. It's going to lead to all sorts of adventures and, 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 people and, count and, and prosperity. Uh, but you're an integral part to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yet at the same time, you're at this crossroads of life. Um, I would have you know, gave it up
1: right there. I would have ripped up that contract if to have my dad say, yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah. If it wasn't for the people around you, is well, that, is that what it was? Is I, well, that, it was is is that, no,
1: I would have, I basically would have to have him yeah. not say those words to me. You know what I mean? I would have easily, if I could have made a deal, I would have said, okay, you know what? I worked here. I got what I've said to my friends when I was 11, 12 years yeah, old. You've accomplished that. I've goal. accomplished that. Yeah. But to have my dad's health trade off, it would have been, I wouldn't even thought about it. I would have been like, done. Okay. Dad's healthy. I'm happy. That's all that matters. But, you know, and so, you know, I don't really have any regrets per se. No. But one thing that I always felt bad is I was not honest with the guys in the band. The drummer, Dan, my roommate, he knew something was up because I was, you know, we go and play for thousands of people. Yeah. And I'm in my hotel room crying.
0: And he's like, what is going on? Yeah, we're having the time of our lives here and you're not. and Because I didn't want to let anybody down. Yeah.
1: But I also also wanted to make sure I was focused, you know, my dad's like, no, no, you stay out there or whatever. I'm okay. And I'm like, dad, I know, you know what I mean? And so you feel that guilt and all that kind of stuff, right? And the pressures of everybody, you know, there's five people that are all
0: getting a piece of the pie and you know what I mean? It's a lot, right? Um, at this point, who are you opening for? Where where where's uh, where's the band taking you at this point here? Because you're 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 in festivals and all sorts of opening mm-hmm. uh, situations for yep. some big 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 bands. Who yeah. are some of the stuff at this point here that you're opening for or 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 being a part of? Is the NASCAR thing happening at this time and all of that? Yeah,
1: it, everything. So ready to roll all... is out at this point. Yeah, ready to roll went out. That wasn't even going to be the first single. The first song was "It's Over" actually, yeah. um, and then Jeff and I ended up writing uh, the song called "Ready to Roll," and that changed everything. Became everybody- an anthem. Yeah, it became an anthem. And, and it was weird because, I, and, and I always go back to my family. So my dad and I used to go to hockey games. we go see the Regina Packs. Yeah, yeah. And I always said, and I was like young, and I said, Dad, you know, one day I'm going to have a song on this playlist. <sighs> you know? So, so that was my goal, and that was achieved. Whether we had major success or not, the label expected us to, but then the economy and that's a whole thing there. But I got to achieve that. And dad knew that because I said, before my dad passed, he goes, yeah, I remember we used to be at the Regina Pass Games. And you'd say, dad, I'm going to have a song on that playlist. So and it became Super Bowl, NASCAR. And yeah, you
0: know. all of that. And ready to roll was <clears> huge. Uh, for for our viewers <clears> and listeners <throat> here, uh, jump on the YouTube Jet Blackstair ready to roll uh, you know sports anthem th- yep. this kind of thing <laughs> blown yep. up touring with all these bands all these things here I'm. I, there's a question that I haven't asked you yep. I wanted to save it for yep. the podcast yep. and yep. Uh, it's here now I hate that we have to kind of start rapping you're, you're going to come back here for part two obviously oh, the, the yeah, story is yeah. way more you love what he changed it's doing we've got some great things coming up including where you're going to perform we'll be able to put you performing out mm-hmm. uh, in some of the things that we're doing and projects and stuff so so don't worry Rod Black he's a he changed it guy Mm -hmm. and and we're we're partnering in a lot of ways here so this is just this is just part one today bit of an intro there Mm -hmm. but this question that i've always uh i've wanted to ask you since our very first conversation um and you told me about what happened with your dad and this internal struggle that you had for a while Mm -hmm. um that being said i've never asked you this your dad got a chance to see you thriving Mm -hmm. In something that would have been a dream for him.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Have you, have you considered the fact that your dad did get a chance, even though his mm-hmm. light was fading, he did get a chance to live vicariously through you? Mm-hmm. Have you considered that before? Oh, yeah. And have you, has that given you any comfort knowing that you were living your purpose, but it was also given a It's
1: always on my shoulder.
0: It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that is something that you have. It, it drives me. Because it drives you. Yeah,
1: it it drives me. And you know, back to the the app and the reason why I was so attracted to it and I felt the passion when we were sitting down talking with Candace and and Mike, and we were just having this incredible and never meeting each other. Yeah. Thank you, Shauna. Yeah, by the way. You you, you are a true rock star. Shout out to Shauna with girl. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, but um, (laughs) But what, what I did was I used that that passion and everything and say, you know what, Dad? Okay, you, you yeah, I know you had pressure because there was a lot of stuff Dad and I talked about before he passed. And, you know, he did want to be a guitar player. He yeah. wanted to perform, but he was too shy. So when he sees his son, he wanted to encourage his son knowing that he couldn't do it. But yes, he vicariously, I guess, yes, living through that. But he also knew that I was in it for the right reasons as well. Like, and dad was like that too. Dad was never driven by money, by fame, by anything like that. He was a rodeo star in a sense. So that was his thing, but there was a lot of hard work that went in.
0: Oh, yeah. In, in the, you know, yeah true that was Being a combination on the combination skill yeah uh, the incredible skill yeah. uh, rising to the top and all of that the, the work that it takes yeah. well to do anything to th- to be a to be a uh, rock star for lack of a better term uh, to be a rocker at that level mm-hmm. again the work ethic that mm-hmm. is necessary to get to that place is 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 incredible clearly there are parallels here yeah but the fact that he couldn't ever do that and he's yeah. watching his son go and do that i mean i i don't know a dad out there Who hasn't taken their, 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 their son in particular to a sporting, uh, you know, uh, to a a little league Mm -hmm. uh, hockey or whatever. And they want to see them just be a champion Mm -hmm. at something Mm -hmm. because they feel it a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Right. And he got a chance to see that you were on that roller coaster for the right reasons um yeah you God, know that's yeah, an incredible it, thing it, it drives me
1: um it does my family in general yeah right i want to take care of my mom when she's older and stuff like that like you know what i mean i don't need a lot we've talked about this right yep. just give me a bus and a bunk and i'm happy but the <laughs> thing that is is well really uh you know apple doesn't fall very far from the tree yeah. i can see my dad going yeah boy that's my son but the thing <laughs> of it is is that again when you're driven for a purpose
0: uh-huh.
1: and my dad was very much like that now i have to say this to kind of uh, as, as segueing into the next part is that my dad was always the the guy that never really opened up. He was known for that, but yet he would be on the, he, my dad was sick just coming out of the hospital again for like the 10th time. And he's on a guy's roof because there was a leak because of the rain. And my dad's like, <laughs> "Yep." I'm like, dad, get what you're on a roof. He's like, well, you know, the neighbor, you know, you needed oh. help. And, and the thing was, but to have a, an open conversation of how are you feeling today? I'm great. no dad come on and so the reason why i was so attracted to what you guys are doing is because we need more people and men in general to open up more talk about their passions whether it was back in high school or it was a week ago and they came up with a a, an invention yeah and they're afraid that it's not going to be successful because they got the pressures of life and bills and piling up and stuff but it's okay to open up it's okay to cry yeah it took me a long long time and yeah, because my dad never was the crying type. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I was a fighter in hockey and yep. my dad, you know what I mean? Yep. I was like going after the biggest guys all the time. He's like, dad, check this out. Yep. <laughs> that's my coach. Yep. He's like, that's my son. You know, but the yeah. thing of it is, is like never showed when I was hurt. Never, you know what I mean? Never complained about anything, but it's when my dad passed and that's when the emotions came out and stuff like that. It's like, you know what? It's Okay it's okay to open up and it's okay to talk about your feelings and it doesn't matter if you're a male and whatever that stigma of being a male and you tough as nails and we go no we're all on the same playing field every color race yeah. everything we're all on the same plan playing yeah. field. we all have emotions we all have goals and dreams and passions and stuff like that yeah and so it's okay
0: to share them um speaking of sharing i i, I mean i i I wish that I could talk more about the things that are brewing and all of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. We can just kind of tease a little bit. Uh, the Jet Black Stair story, fifteen years is, mm-hmm. is is coming up. There's an anniversary that's that's coming up here, and yep. um, I guess all I can really say is chess pieces are being moved where chess pieces need to be moved in another Jet Black Stair chapter. Is sometimes that sometimes is that totally safe that, yeah. to say? Yeah. Safe to say, and we're they're gonna at least celebrate at least the 15 year deal of uh of, of of your guys's run and some of the fun things that's coming up, right? And guess who I owe that to? Uh, Pops, because before he uh-huh. passed, he said you did jet
1: black stare for everyone else because he knew what I was going through. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know how you held that in and not told anybody. I said, Dad, because I didn't want to wreck. And he's like, Oh, that's my son. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was all for other people. Other that's people. the way we were raised. It's. Well, I'll take the scraps, Dad. Now, Rose, we'll take the scraps as long as the girls are okay in our yeah. family. We'll, yeah. you know, me with the hawk, the nest, right, the protectors. <laughs> but what made me really want to do Jet Black Stare again was I knew the 15 year anniversary was going to be coming up, and this is right before COVID, unfortunately. Um, but I knew those words that my dad said. He goes, "You'll know when the right time is." Oh, you'll know when the right time is. <laughs> but I said, "Dad, I'm going to do." Because he, he, but he also said. You did Jet Black Stare. Why don't you go back to your country roots? Yeah. And I said, Dad, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to put that black cowboy hat on because my dad always had a black cowboy hat. You know? I said, always oh, in black. He drank his coffee black. Like dad, was that. Like that. You know what yeah. I mean? He was that that dead guy. And uh, I said, I'm going to do it for you. And he's like, yeah, but don't ever forget about Jet Black Stare because you're going to know when the right time is. Yeah. And so I did have that conversation right before COVID actually. I said, Dad, it's time. And I felt that energy and everything kind of falling into place
0: like you said you yeah. and i was like okay it's, it's the time um that's all you're getting yeah <laughs> but uh as johnny carson used to say more to come <laughs> uh, uh more to come on this more and, and I'm, I'm excited um i'm gonna get i'm gonna close this thing off by getting you to tell us a rock star story because we all love hearing <clears throat> rock star stories yep. on the road and all that kind of <clears throat> stuff you toured with crazy it, it, lots of connections in, in in your life we're not gonna name necessarily mm-hmm. name drop but yep. uh, but at the end of the day you got to live the rock star lifestyle in your way you're prepared for it in many ways uh it's beautiful that you don't have some of these um these tragic stories Mm -hmm. that that people who were not prepared for Mm -hmm. that lifestyle and all these things have you're i just i love you i appreciate you so much you're a brother for another mother um So before we uh, before we get to that, if anybody wants to connect with you and Mm -hmm. your music and your social media presence and any of that stuff right now, if people want to follow Rod Black and and go down the Rod Black rabbit hole a little bit, Mm -hmm. what's the best way to do it?
1: Well, you can go to uh, again JBS. Uh, well, actually, I'll just the Instagram's probably the best. Instagram. What's your Instagram? Yeah, it's uh, Jet Black Stair
0: Official. Jet Black Stair Official. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and you're throwing stuff up there, and if people want to dive down the rabbit hole, they can.
1: Yeah. There's uh, actually the story that I'm going to share is actually uh, a, a buddy of mine who's actually in, in the picture. Okay. So yeah. Let's let's, let's hear yeah. it. What's so, okay. The story? So what happened was, <laughs> no, you have to put this in perspective here. Okay. So I just finished working uh, the stock job. Yeah. So I'm living in English Bay and I'm listening to Break the Cycle. Okay. Stained. Yep. And I'm just listening to this album and I'm just like, wow, wow, wow. And it's almost kind of talking to me in a sense. Like I'm listening going, okay, yeah. did I just quit? Like, I'm like, you know what I mean? And, and, and I love how music can do yeah, that. And, and it's just like, no, no, this feels right. So <laughs> um, I'm like sitting there and I'm listening to, to Stained and, uh, you know, and uh, reading about Aaron's story and stuff like that. Right. Mm. Um, you know, very night, just a down to earth guy, yeah. And and I was always like, you know, man, someday man, I'd love to, you know, with these new songs and I'm writing and stuff like that. I hadn't shown Jeff yet, and I said, man, it'd be someday would be amazing to open for stained, like you know, because oh, like, I'm listening to this album and I can hear his voice and the connection outside is one of my
0: like, I listen to outside, I just it, yeah, oh god, yeah, I'm anyway, on
1: the outside, oh, god. I'm looking in, yeah, so
0: good, yeah. So <laughs> it's what happened
1: was now fast forward yeah we're opening up for stained hinder three doors down so we're on this big what a great bill that is by the way it's summer summer (laughs) too was probably yeah it was an incredible tour so i'm sitting in the green room and uh aaron comes by and he's like hey how you guys doing we're like oh we're we're doing good and we had a small little green room and he's like yeah he goes not much on your rider i'm like yeah we got some water we got some like you know pop and he's like no 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 he goes he goes half our stuff's going on the bus the other half is going to come into your room and i'm like what And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. So he wow. (laughs) So now I start thinking in my head going, is this really happening? Because a year prior to this, I'm in my room.
0: Not even. One year. Uh, That's how fast things can change. (laughs) Like, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would have been just maybe just over a year. Yeah. How
1: crazy is that? Yeah. Because three months later I'm signing a deal. So yeah, that would make sense because we did the album and then the tour came up yeah about a year change and, can happen quickly guys and so Start. he grabs the guitar and as he's grabbing the guitar everything's going through my head like a me in my room writing songs break the cycle everything and i'm like is this so so surreal <sighs> and so now what's happening is <clears throat> he starts playing and he's like yeah i'm mind to do it and i'm like oh i'm like is this really happening and so <sighs> he starts playing playing guitar and just kind of singing. It wasn't a full song, but no, he's was just no, kind just of playing talking and stuff. I said, okay, yeah. stops. He's like, sorry guys, I get a. I I said, Aaron, you, you have to understand how surreal <laughs> this situation. The band doesn't know what I'm about to say because they don't know the story. No, no. So him and I start having this conversation. I said, you have to understand. I was listening to Break the Cycle, right? And then three months later, I'm signing a deal. Now I'm out in the road with Stained. Like, this is incredible. And then he starts telling me about He goes, "Well, the only difference between Jet Black Stair and Stained is, he goes, We've sold whatever, 15 million albums, it's yeah. like that. And he goes, I'm not I don't say this is a bragging thing. And I knew he's not that character. No. What he's saying is, we worked to get to this. I see that in Jet Black Stare. You guys can do the same same thing. And the craziest thing about that whole thing was he did an interview. And someone came up to me and pointed out because we just we were literally getting ready to go on stage. So that's even more surreal. He's in our dressing room and now I go on stage knowing he was just, you know, hanging
0: with A lot with us. of juice in that. Yeah. Oh, a lot oh. of energy. <laughs> that would have been a good performance. <laughs> came off
1: stage and somebody came up to me and he was talking. He was like, wow. He goes, we just did this big interview with Aaron and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, cool. And he goes, he loves Jet Black Stare. He goes, he was talking about you guys. And he goes, I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, it's very rare that a band, a headliner yeah. band would talk about the opener yeah. that much in an interview. You only have so much time to talk. Yeah. And then uh, to top it off, we uh, so we finished that tour. Then we get a call from Chief, our manager at the time. And he goes, you won't believe this. He goes, we got a call. Stain wants you to be direct support on the Texas tour. And awesome. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, Aaron loved you guys so much and got along with you guys, you know. And it just showed he's here, we're here, yeah. but he brought it down in a conversation where we're all here. You're all the same. What is we that? are all the same. It's a life lesson. And that's you. Like, and that's yeah. why I do yeah. not And so I always look at it as like, you know, and there's a lot of cool things that happen and going apart and stuff like that. But really,
0: yeah.
1: I'm not here on this earth to brag about accolades and all that kind of stuff. I'm here to talk about moments yeah. that impacted my life and hopefully will impact other people when they hear it, is that we're all here.
0: The cool thing about this is that it's a, it's a rock star story, but it's also a, a life lesson. Like yep, you say, and that's, that's you, How I, and, and he, <laughs> uh, I, I hate that we got to end it here, but we got to end it here. Uh, but that's Rod Black right there. Everybody like, like right there, uh, you know, the rock star stories though, that also hit you in the heart. And that's what he's all about. Um, I've just loved getting to know you so much. I love what's coming down the pipe. Uh, thank you very much for taking time to do this today. And, uh, and like I said, more to come. I appreciate it appreciate your time thank you oh this has been so awesome for sure uh they go by that quickly i know i'm a broken record when i say that but it's true it's like when we do he cast it's like a time warp Mm -hmm. um an hour goes by and it feels like seconds but i hope that um i hope that it's not uh just for me i hope that you're all feeling that too every single uh message that we get a note about this uh shows us that we're on the right path doing the right thing whatever it is that you're going through uh please please whatever it takes if he changed it can be a part of helping you uh move forward get out of the dirt uh get out of the muck and 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 start moving forward we would just we would be honored to help be that for you please like please share please subscribe uh to the podcast please download the app share it out there uh, let's change the world. That's what we're going to do. That's what Rod's doing. And that's what He Changed It wants to do with Rod and people like that. Uh, this has been another episode of He Cast, the official podcast of He Changed It. My name is Mike Chisholm. Go change something.